Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Silicon Sasquatch podcast. I'm Aaron Thayer. Uh, we're on episode, believe, five, we're calling it, of season three. And joining me tonight are Nick Cummings. Howdy. And Spencer Tordoff. Hey there. So we're glad to have you here because we have something interesting to discuss, a, a potential trend within the industry that we have opinions about, which is probably why you listen to this podcast. Hopefully, you like to hear our opinions. And what we're looking at is the idea of a console being always online. Now, how do we feel about that to start off, Spencer? I would contest initially that this is a, a new trend necessarily because Diablo 3 is really a good example of it. Uh, Starcraft 2, same thing. So Blizzard has been kind of on the on the boat here for a while. I am so vehemently opposed to this, I don't know where to begin. <laughs> so uh, we can take that as a starting point. What about you, Nick? I'm kind of curious why why this makes you feel so vitriolic. <laughs> I mean, I, I totally agree that there's no overt consumer benefit from imposing that requirement. But like, where do you think the biggest uh, problem comes in? I have some weird views on technology in general, and that's from growing up in Alaska. And Alaska is not necessarily rural. But I mean, I didn't have what you could call a real internet connection until I moved out of my parents' house, basically. And the idea that people who are in rural or less developed areas or people with inconsistent service don't get to play games anymore is just kind of offensive to me. So what what you're saying is, is that because you grew up in Alaska, the way to play games, if the Discovery Channel has taught me anything is the deadliest way to play the games. So <laughs> offline, uh, with no internet connection. Now, I, I'll be the first to admit that a lot of these tendencies on my part are, they they kind of come off as bizarre and survivalistic. That kind of colors a lot of what you uh, end up saying, actually. <laughs> and that's why we like having you on the staff. Oh, I'm I'm that guy, aren't I? He's our apoca apocalyptic type person. <laughs> the government's coming for our broadbands. <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay. Besides having me totally pegged. So I, I have a media server. In fact, I just have a raid array in my, uh, in my desktop right now. 90 plus percent of what's on there is already on Netflix. But I have this mentality that, well, what if the internet's out? I won't be able to get to Netflix. Where <laughs> if the internet actually goes out here in Seattle, unless Comcast is doing something... There is something far more seriously wrong than me not being able to watch my shows. So you essentially have the digital version of a fallout shelter with canned food and clothing and weapons. I'm guessing <laughs> Blu-ray rips of Deep Space Nine and whatever else you could really need. The, the pilot of Voyager, too, just for good measure. All of the, all the Star Trek series and, uh, you know, Blade Runner, whatever. Uh, no. So the point here is my view is relatively outmoded for my current lifestyle. But always online, gamers are everywhere in this country, and we are by no means South Korea in terms of our uh, internet infrastructure. There's a lot of people without consistent connections, without... Uh, there's a lot of people without broadband. And Xbox is pretty much saying that this demographic no longer matters to us. And sure, maybe from a business standpoint, they've looked at it on paper and go, oh, yeah, that's fine. Allegedly. Uh, it's allegedly fine. <laughs> I cannot rationalize it, at least from my viewpoint. I, I can't just say, oh, well, I guess that's cool. I'll buy one anyway. 
Uh, even though there are some PC titles that are always online that I'm, you know, that I still own and play. Explain to our listeners who might not be aware of what we're talking about. You mentioned Microsoft and Always Online. What's that in reference to? Well, to bring everyone up to speed, because I guess we did just kind of leap forward here. Uh, there was a recent controversy, April fourth, fifth, around in there, where Adam Orth, the creative director of Microsoft Studios was making comments on his Twitter that were more or less mocking people who were complaining about Always Online with regard to the Xbox, because it's been rumored that the new Xbox will require an internet connection to play games. Microsoft made an official statement that said he's not speaking on our behalf without denying anything that he said, and he's allegedly been fired. I have not seen a confirmation on that, but he's allegedly been removed from his position for those statements. What, what were the statements he was making, in, in essence? Well, let's see. We can quote some of them here. <laughs> uh, his initial one, uh, before it spiraled out of control, uh, was, Sorry, I don't get the drama around having an always-on console. Every device now is always on. That's the world we live in. Hashtag deal with it. <laughs> Which I think is what pissed off a lot of people, right? Right. The, the whole deal with it thing. And despite it being one of my favorite memes... It will piss people off, uh, used in that context. So that was the shitstorm that developed from there. And the arguments um, by one uh, Manveer Hare immediately pointed out Diablo 3 and SimCity. And that's an excellent argument against Always Online as well. Uh, both of those were really botched launches. Which required Always Online internet connections to play, right? Precisely. And they were botched because of that. Let's not mince words here. Those launches failed because of the Always Online component. So from a perhaps different perspective, if I'm, if I'm looking at this and I'm one of those gamers who just is more casual and I hear maybe these comments because it kind of got widely reported, but I suppose you'd have to be following gaming websites to even know or care. But like you said, Microsoft goes to damage control pretty quickly Allegedly, this guy, Adam, gets fired for his comments, which are incendiary. But if I'm just the dude who plays Madden or the girl who plays arcade games or whatever, whatever sort of casual um, person you want to imagine, my phone's always on 3G or the internet to use stuff. Obviously, you know, there's no 3G for the Xbox in its current form, so that's not always connected. But... I'm always online, I'm always near a Wi-Fi spot, I'm at home where I have internet connection, and in the rare occasion that it might go out due to a service issue, I have never had that problem, this imaginary person. Why should I give a shit about this, in your opinion, and then how do you feel about this, Nick? So, I can't find it right now, uh, I'm not going to worry about it, but I heard that most of the connects that went out and got set up in like a casual home context, most of those were never activated online. They were set up in a living room, and the kids play on them. They were not on live. They were not connected to the internet. Mm -hmm. So, like, the majority were never used with Xboxes that connected to Xbox Live. Right, exactly. And given the, the nature of the Kinect, the type of games they released for it, why would that immediately occur to anybody? Yeah, I mean, how many games actually used Kinect that also had online components? Exactly. I guess Mass Effect 3? Yeah, like, I used the Kinect features in Mass Effect 3 for all of 10 minutes you didn't like to say boomstick and pull your shotgun out <laughs> that worked yeah that's an easter egg it's pretty cool <laughs> i never 
I never used it. It was just quicker to use the controller. But my point is, so that's a whole segment, a segment that they have to be making money on, you know, selling consoles and this hardware add-on and uh, games like Connect Adventures, Disneyland, whatever. And they're deciding, okay, yeah, never mind. So you're kind of implying that they're putting the cart before the horse as far as this whole, they went to the online aspect this generation and they're just now from whatever stats they think are important think it's justifiable to go full online basically yes uh and granted i i consider a lot of uh, microsoft's approach with regard to online to be regressive anyway i'm maybe not the least biased source <laughs> well it's interesting to hear that because i think it's fair to say that up until uh really i guess a few years ago uh, I would say Xbox Live was, with the launch of the 360, was probably the most robust, well, full-featured online gaming infrastructure there was. I would agree with that. And I would also say probably Nintendo is still worse. But look at what Live has become. Oh, yeah. How they're still charging for it and nothing has changed. Oh, yeah. No, I wasn't questioning what you were saying. I just was kind of surprised to realize how little they had evolved in the face of, like, what PlayStation's done, what Steam has done, and what even, like, these interesting startups like Ouya have done. Yeah, their business model has just been in the last few years to increase the price of the subscription and not really change its basic functions. And meanwhile, you have PlayStation Plus kind of, well, obliterating them. Yeah, I mean, well, PlayStation Plus is, is free shit, and then automatic patching, which is what the Xbox kind of did anyway when you started the game. But it's a little different. It's basically just some convenience and some free shit. But, like, it colors the experience in a much more profound way than just, like, this stagnant, like, we give a crap mentality that Microsoft is pretty much exhibited by not evolving the, uh, the live platform. So there, are, I think there are two ways of looking at this that are causing consternation. Well, first of all, I think people are forgetting the fact that this is not a product they have to buy. But I think that concerns people because they know that Microsoft has the clout and the gall and, you know, whatever you want to call it, the idiocy to launch something like this with always on as a requirement. I think what makes people scared is the fact that it will launch. It will probably sell well. That probably won't be a factor that prevents people from buying it. And then we're going to be in an ecosystem where there are no offline content systems for gaming. And then we kind of like as consumers allowed this to happen because there are so few gatekeepers for games that it only takes a few companies jumping over that line and then we're there. So the way I'm coming at this is like this makes me not want to buy a new Xbox. And that's saying something considering I'll buy just about anything that plays games because I'm <laughs> gullible like that. But at the same time, I feel like a, a real consumer responsibility to be like, you know, this is probably I, I'm not a fan of anything that would really that would prevent a huge chunk of people from accessing games and checking out new things. So I, I pulled up a statistic uh, from Pew that showed that I think only about 10% of the United States or less now, this was in 2008, is still on dial-up for their internet connection. Uh, but this doesn't count, I mean, take into account people who don't have internet connections at home, period. Granted, I don't know what the overlap is on non-internet owners versus non, you know, versus console owners. I bet it's pretty slim at this point. But I guess what I'm saying is like the majority of gamers won't notice, but there will be a big contingent that will. And regardless of Microsoft's choice to you know avoid that market, I guess my biggest concern is like the fact that a company as big as Microsoft is willing to make that jump to make an entire infrastructure or rather an entire ecosystem of games reliant on its infrastructure, which is not always up as history has shown. What hope do we really have of people actually like giving a shit enough to make this um, make a statement and fight this? If if I'm to look at it this early, I think it just signifies that they really do want to push the next console as a full on multimedia hub. No longer, like the gaming part is a back seat, 
and for whatever they want to do with it. Maybe it's sort of Nielsen type ratings to have always connected people to drive a uh, survey of the market base and to have all of these connected apps and everything that have started this end of the generation with the Xbox. Um, I think it having always online kind of tells me that it's not really the priority to have just a gaming console now. And I guarantee you whenever it's revealed, the branding and the advertisements are going to reflect that. Because I guess, you know, I've never really mentioned this on our site, but to be with full disclosure, I work with Microsoft in a sense through a third party through their service aspect, but I know nothing about the new console and, you know, at the risk of poking the bear, nothing has been said. But it honestly, just the policies and things that are enacted by that company seem to kind of not really take care of the consumer and force a service that really realistically should not be that expensive at this point in time for what it's actually offering. But that's a whole separate other thing to get into. Uh, the whole idea of always online, though, I guess I'm kind of surprised for you, Nick, to see your concern about it, too. It's justifiable, but I guess I would consider you, of everyone on the staff, not just where you work, but the more always connected and socially engaged type of advocate. So where do you think that having an always online platform, be it PC or Xbox or whatever, is a negative thing aside from, like, are there positives to it? I think it's... Uh... Uh, I'd like to hear what Spencer has to think about this too, but I think the biggest problem for me is that Microsoft is trying to have its cake and eat it too with this whole retail focus still on the games it's going to have. Like I, I bet we'll see day and date digital versions of retail games on the on the new Xbox, like we will with like PS4, like we see with Vita and 3DS. But this is still going to be, by all accounts, a machine with like a Blu-ray player in it. It's going to be based on physical media that you go out and buy at brick and mortar, or you buy through the internet or whatever. Point being, it's, it uses physical media. So the fact that there would be like a, a lock on that because you can't connect to the internet, preventing you from playing your physical copy of a game is, uh, to me, I, I don't think you can ethically do that, if that makes sense. I understand if, okay, you want to access this on-demand service to stream movies. You want to use Netflix streaming. It makes sense that you have to be online to use that because the data is stored on a server and you don't retain a local copy. I think that that makes sense. And I think it makes sense if you're going to play, like, for example, a game that's designed to be played only online, that you need an internet connection for it. Where it gets fuzzier, and actually, to be fair, nobody has really done a, a perfect job of this, is when you have digital distribution and physical distribution of games that work with an online service that has an offline mode or it doesn't have an offline mode. So, like, let's look at Steam, for example. It has an offline mode where you can check it, you restart the client, you boot in, and any game you've downloaded, you can theoretically jump into and play. But uh, in my experience, and I hear this from a lot of people too, it's not reliable. Like sometimes it will fail to launch correctly. Sometimes it'll ask you to enter your credentials again and put you back online. Sometimes certain games won't launch correctly. It's um, it's historically been pretty flaky. Yeah. So how is that different? So that's different because Steam is digital only. And yeah, you can buy a retail copy of a game, but it's, if it has a Steam key, that's the only reason you're playing it through Steam. It syncs with the service, which is first and foremost and almost exclusively digital only. So I think that's the, the conundrum for me is like, is it responsible as a uh, company selling hardware and software to create a, a physical box you bring into your house that you buy physical media for that won't work unless you can connect to their server? I would also like to jump in here and just note that so the Steam client has an offline mode that's pretty flaky where Steam works, their actual form of always online DRM 
is extremely fault tolerant of falling offline, in my experience. My go-to example is uh, Borderlands 2, and they designed it with the same type of uh, always-on, jump-into-your-friends multiplayer game type setup that Diablo 3 had, that that was the major selling point of Diablo 3 being always online. But with Steamworks, or at least with its implementation in Borderlands, if you lose your internet connection, then it just says, you've lost your connection, tempting to reestablish, we'll let you know when it's back up. If in Diablo 3 you lose your connection, you log back in fucking dead. That's just how it works. You have to be... Connect. There's no there's no really local client going on there. It's all happening on the server. But isn't that more of a problem of the developer to make the functions of the game intrinsically tied to an internet internet connection compared to, say, for the example of a of a console that just has a online check to see if it's online, but still lets you play the game because you can still let's say theoretically save to the physical hard drive that's in the console. But that's the question. What specifically is going to happen there? We honestly don't know at this point. As far as we know, uh, it could be a, hey, you've fallen offline, your saves aren't accessible, whatever, we'll try to reconnect. It could just be booting you out to the fucking start menu because you don't have an internet connection. And if it's that, on a console with physical media, like Nick was saying... Yeah, I could not see myself buying that. Yeah. I suppose if I'm looking at my own taste, though, to be maybe the devil's advocate, in theory, I don't want to support that idea. And, you know, I think the main problem with this next generation, if it turns out to be that the Xbox is the one that has always online, is from a marketing standpoint, everyone's just then they should go to PlayStation. But like you said at the beginning, Nick, I don't think that's going to happen. We're just going to get a bunch of people still buying the Xbox and the next one, and we're going to have perhaps a trailblazing trend that just is forced into the gaming industry regardless. So voting with your dollars is not that's not pointless, but I think it's going to be something we'll have to confront anyway at a certain point. Because if I look at my habits over the last year for gaming, I think the last time I bought a physical copy of a game was close to six, seven, eight months ago now. I mean, I blame Steam for that, but I also bought Nino Kuni through the PlayStation Store. That was the first time I'd ever done that. It was 25 gigabytes to download, which took forever, so there's another problem of being a digital-only marketplace. But everything I buy, I do online now for gaming is slowly moving towards just being connected anyway. So I think that's part of my concern too is well what if for some reason that internet connection just gets cut then i i don't have access to all that stuff i've been building up but truthfully i think i've had only internet connection outage i've had in the last year has been because of my old landline phone being on the same 2.4 gigahertz band as my router and it took me a long time to figure out that was the problem but that was my fault i have not had a downtime an internet, so why should I care if it's always connected? Because I'm always going to be connected anyway, aside from an ethical matter. I think what really ultimately is going to make the, make the decision for a lot of people is how is Microsoft going to incentivize this connection? Like what is contributed to the experience for the user by being online all the time? Look at the limitations on the 360. There were models that continue to ship without a hard drive, I think. Maybe not anymore now that it's just the S version. But that was a big deal when they launched was you can either get a hard drive separately or get one with one or just never have one at all and use memory cards or get a USB stick and use that instead. Uh, when you when you split the platform, there are sacrifices in what can be done, and you know games generally have to be built to support the lowest common denominator. So if you kind of create the single you know limitation up front for the system, this always online thing, 
What do you gain for the user experience by not having to worry about offline implementation? Does it save development costs? Does that create experiences we haven't thought of yet? I think it's that's kind of like on Microsoft to demonstrate. I think that's what they will hopefully, if they're smart about their messaging, will be thinking about when they unveil the console uh, in the next month or two. And what if it's all not true? Do you think we're still going to see it later on, added into new platforms or on the back end, or we just have more cases of something like SimCity or Diablo 3 where just specific games are requiring always online and they keep failing. What if the next Microsoft console, this is all just a really bad rumor that isn't true? It's going to keep coming. Yeah. That's ultimately where we're at, is that the publishers who are the powers that be in the industry think it's the best way to prevent piracy. That's really what it comes down to. And that's not going away. I don't think it is. Uh, even though there are examples being set by uh, other outfits, like Valve has the gentle DRM that I already talked about, CD Projekt Red still just doesn't give a fuck and releases their games without any sort of DRM and still make money. But as long as there is this persistence of the uh, the giant mega publishers, EA and Activision, it's not going away. I think that makes sense and i think that i recognize the futility of of wanting to fight this because games increasingly and really just multimedia and consumption in general is moving so much more and more towards an always on always standard service oriented uh model that eventually there will be this expectation of constant connection because everybody will be connected one way or another there you know there's talk about whether or not that's like something that like in certain countries i think it's been discussed whether or not this should be legislated that people have a right to connect to the internet with broadband or like they have affordable access to broadband i think you know five to ten years from now it's going to be crazy not to have broadband internet whether that comes to your phone or from something installed in your house of course is like up in the air but um i I think as as it becomes more ubiquitous this sort of concern will will become less and less important which is a good thing but that being said, making the transition in a kind of haphazard way could have some consequences, I think, for Microsoft and for brand integrity. And from my perspective, I mean, if we were all on Google Fiber, there wouldn't be a debate. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow about that. <laughs> but we're not. And there are people who are going to be excluded by this. So, that, I mean, that's that's pretty much where we are. I'm going to keep disagreeing with it. It's going to keep happening. And when... <laughs> When everything goes to shit, I will be playing uh, Alpha Centauri in my bunker, and <laughs> I mean, you guys can sleep here, but I didn't store enough food for all of you. You already play Alpha Centauri in your bunker on a regular basis, if I know you, though. That is true. Like, this is happening right now. It's not going to change a whole lot for me. It's just I won't be able to play any new games. Is it a stereotypically dark bunker, or does it have, like, the, the skylight or something? Oh, we've, we've got some nice lighting. Come on. I'm not an animal. <laughs> All right, well, if we're trying to close out this topic, I guess one thing I'll say quickly before I let you gentlemen add in some last words is that I think we need to have, because we seem to focus more on kind of the Xbox rumor uh, we touched on, you know, our, our general aspect and feelings of always online gaming, but we also have to remember just from a... Um, consumer side that there's already been the setup of Sony and the next generation being the champion just because they don't require an always online element to their console. And we're comparing that to a as yet unseen, unshown product in the next Xbox. I don't doubt that it's going to happen, but at the same time, I think everyone out there should be wary of just planting their allegiance flags way too early and acting like our pastime seems to do an immature sort of 
blank versus blank role that kind of just shows where gaming may mature a little bit here and there. It just is always a finger-pointing bitch fest in the end. But I think it's very fair to be scared of this idea of having to have an online internet connection all the time, even though, if I'm really being honest, I don't care because it doesn't affect me and my current lifestyle, but I know mine is not the model for everybody else's. And just for instance, if we're going off on a quick aside, there's farmers in England who recently had to build their own fiber internet connection because their rural areas were not getting any internet from the big ISPs in uh, Britain. So they just did their own thing. So if we're not just talking about America's broadband issues, we're also looking at a global product that there are still a lot of people in Europe, Asia, uh, Middle East, and places where the next Xbox and PlayStation will go that don't have an internet connection available but might want to play offline. You know, I think Aaron summed it up pretty well. I do want to emphasize again that we're just commenting on rumors, which, you know, I, I agree will inevitably end up being true at least to some degree, but I, I don't know. I think I just want to come back real quick to the point that um, looking at launches of games like SimCity and Diablo 3, these really kind of haphazard, sketchy at best, uh, downright broken at worst in the case of SimCity, these launches are decent games are completely ruined by lack of or inability to prepare for launch volume and supporting that through an infrastructure of servers and of all that. So I think it's something that obviously the industry is going to have to get better at. It's certainly changing the way that critics are approaching these games. Like it's going to, I think it's going to be a lot harder now for anyone to really trust this always online model. I think it will probably impact sales uh, on any other game that has that built in, at least from EA for quite a while. So I, I guess, you know, I, the important things to keep in mind are that it, it is inevitable that, you know, games will be moving towards an online only format, but I think it's important that we keep talking about it because the system's not good enough right now. The execution's not good enough. And uh, it's going to really have some, I think, repercussions for trust and quality in games if uh, it's not something that gets prioritized. And Spencer, how do you feel at the end of this discussion? I feel justified <laughs> in having my bizarre <laughs> cache of, of games and media. Yes, barring cataclysmic something happening... You know, everyone's going to have access to their games eventually and yada, yada, yada. But I don't like it. I don't have to like it. Of the consoles announced so far, and, you know, there's three of them, I'm not interested in any of them for a variety of reasons. And in Microsoft's case, which, of course, as emphasized, this is a rumor. Yeah, I have no interest in any of them. It's been thoroughly just strangled out, especially in the Xbox's case, by the prospect of needing an internet connection to play a single-player game. I don't buy it. I don't like it. And I don't have to participate. Well, I think that sums it up quite nicely. You don't have to do anything, and you should never let anyone tell you what to do, everyone. Stay off of Spencer's lawn. <laughs> Stay the hell off my property. His digital lawn in, I think he has City now, but that's a whole separate issue. Well, friends, thank you for joining us for another episode of our podcast. Um, while the next Xbox may or may not be always online, we're always online. And that's perhaps the ironic part, because we have to come to you through the internet to even talk about the problems with the internet. So, uh, But we you. will <laughs> call you at your house if you want. Exactly. Just, just throwing that out there. Send us a letter. We don't have an address for that, but send us a letter, and we will call you at your house and talk about video games. 
I'm willing to get us a P.O. box in the middle of the woods to fit in with the whole Sasquatch <laughs> thing, but we can have a business meeting about that. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us again. I'm Aaron Thayer, and uh, that was Nick Cummings. That was me. And Spencer Tordoff. Allegedly. Allegedly. Have a good week, everybody. The Silicon Sasquatch Podcast is a production of SiliconSasquatch.com. Our editors are Nick Cummings, Aaron Thayer, Doug Bonham, Tyler Martin, and Spencer Tordoff. The opinions expressed in this podcast are the opinions of the site, because let's face it, we're not really beholden to anybody. If you'd like to hear more or check out the rest of our work, the address for that is, of course, SiliconSasquatch.com. We hope you'll listen again soon.